0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talked to Ben Adler, and he's from a blog called Affiliate Niche Builders, or Niche Builders, with a tagline, Build and Grow Profitable Niche Sites. He also runs a Facebook group with over 3,000 members, and it's been rated, he says on his About page, one of the best groups on Facebook to learn about affiliate marketing. So that's something, I don't know what that award is about, but... He has it listed here, so I'll mention it. And I met Ben a couple months ago, seems like a good guy, and he's sort of been around the affiliate world, and he's very active in Facebook groups, which is, you know, why I didn't know him, because I'm not active in Facebook groups at all. I try and stay away from him, but it seems like if you're in the right ones, there's some pretty sharp folks in there, so I think... Part of it's my issue, and then, you know, I didn't put in the time to find the groups that aren't filled with, uh, you know, a lot of nonsense. So anyway, Bill, he's doing a good job over at uh, Niche Builders, and we talk about his journey. We talk about how we got started with affiliate marketing and common story, you know, start dabbling on the side, and then it becomes a pretty interesting sort of obsessive thing that we get into. So Ben tells us about that. He also mentions selling a site. So there were some issues that he ran into. And I think at the time that we recorded this, he was still working on it. So I put a link in the show notes. So you could check out his blog post where he talks about selling the site and some of the issues that they had with AdSense being rejected for the new owner, declining traffic and display ad Issues as far as different networks and stuff like that. So, I do want to mention that I'm going to look at some emails, read some emails after the interview. So, catch me on the other side. We're going to talk a little bit about Amazon audits. Someone sent me an email on that and just some of the other options you may have with monetization in general, since Amazon has cut the affiliate commission rate in general. So, catch you on the other side. And here's Ben Adler from Affiliate Niche Builders. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here and I'm with my friend, Ben Adler. How are you doing? Good, Doug. Thanks for having me on. We just met recently. We actually don't know each other very well at all. So this will be sort of an exploratory conversation overall, but you have some pretty cool success stories and we have a lot of mutual friends. And I was like, I got to have you on the channel and on the podcast, Ben. So thanks a lot for joining me today. And for the people that don't know you at all, what's your background? What do you do now? And how did you sort of find your way into affiliate marketing?
1: Yeah, so I have a programming background. I did that right out of college. I actually still do consulting right now, a few days a week. And then I first started getting into niche sites specifically about five years ago, looking for ways to make money online. And then I came across a post on Reddit about someone with a uh, crappy looking vacuum cleaner website making $500 a month. This website looked really simple. It didn't look very good. So I thought, you know, this, this website sucks. I can do better. Ignorance is bliss, I guess, because I didn't know anything about Online marketing, I just knew I could make a website like that. <laughs> yeah. So I tried a couple of websites that didn't really work out. I had this product in the back of my head, a tool for crafts. So I did some research. There wasn't a lot of competition at the time. So I thought, hey, why not make a website? And then uh, every day I would come home from work. I worked on my website till I went to bed. And I did that. I didn't make any money for like six months doing that. And I learned about SEO from like Neil Patel and the other popular SEOs out there. I wasn't really involved in Facebook groups at the time. And I think that's a great resource now for people to get started is going on Facebook. But I started that at the beginning of the year. And then, um, not this year, but five years ago. Sure. And um, at the end of the 12 months, I had almost a $6,000 month around Christmas season. So that was a review site, strictly a review site at the time. So I think finding a good niche and putting in a lot of work made it successful.
0: Okay, cool. And just to make sure I follow the timeline, so it was like, 2015, five years ago, and then you you launched a site and roughly within a year, you had a $6,000 per month website. That was my highest. Yeah. Cool. All right. And then is it still around
1: and active these days? Yeah, still around. Held up surprisingly well based on how much I've recently neglected it. (laughs) Uh Considering I did Very little link building. I did a little bit in the beginning with like the broken link builder tactic and a few outreach. I -hmm. think that helps. Or about a year ago, I put ads on it, which helps. But there's a lot of changes that happened. You know, Amazon changed their commission structure, which a lot of affiliates who are using Amazon took a big hit. Luckily, I'm in a good category of the uh, home goods, which is 8%, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what I was getting before on their older structure. But it's not on everything you buy now. It's just on those categories.
0: Yep. Gotcha.
1: So, so yeah, I'm in the process of selling that site now, just because you know it's taken a bit of a traffic hit, and you know if you're if I'm neglecting it, I just might as well get rid of it. Sure, <laughs> if I don't want to work on it anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, over the years, you you learned a lot, you spent a lot of time on it, and you're it's not very exciting for you anymore. I imagine like that particular site, so yeah. I could imagine like getting rid of it and then moving on to something that you're interested in right now is probably really important. So yeah. Cool. And there's a lot of stuff that you mentioned that I want to dig into. But at the very beginning, you said you you found a uh, Reddit thread. And you were like, hey, I, I could do that. And I, I remember when I first started listening to Smart Passive Income, first I thought it was a total scam. But then once I moved past that, I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. I was naive enough to not realize that there's a lot of mistakes and complicated things that you can do and just actually a lot of mistakes that you can make. Now that I'm thinking about it, I made a lot of mistakes. So I wasn't actively looking for any kind of online business stuff. Like, what were you looking for? Why were you trolling over there on Reddit and uh, checking things out? And I guess it was like the entrepreneurship uh, subreddit or something.
1: Yeah, it must have been that one. I wish I could find the thread again, because I'm curious what the website looks like now that I found five years ago, but I yeah. haven't been able to find it since. Yeah, I've always been interested in business since I was a kid, mainly because maybe my dad has, has his own business. But I just like the idea of creating something else that makes money for you. I think that's a really cool concept instead of having to work at a regular job. Yep. And I'm interested in tech, so it just makes sense that I'd be looking for a ways to make money online. You know, I think I feel like building niche sites, I think it's a really good model for me. I'm a good writer and researcher. And unlike e-commerce, you don't have to deal with customers or inventory or I just think it's a really good business model for myself. It's not for everyone. A lot of people don't have like the grit for it. I think it takes a lot of grit. I think getting a site started, but it it works for me. So I'm, I'm happy I found this way of making money online.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing people get hung up on, and I see this email all the time, you probably get this question too, Ben, where someone's like, well, Amazon only pays a small commission rate. I'm going to, you know, develop my own product. I'm going to do drop shipping. I'm going to do some other thing so I can make more, which usually, right? If you get paid more, that means there's more complexity, there's more risk involved. So it's even worse. You have to have even <laughs> more grit because you have to deal with customers, for example. And yeah. what happens if your supplier for your physical product has a, you know, a manufacturing hiccup or some, you know, interruption in the supply chain. So yeah, I think affiliate marketing is a very good model for beginners. Like when we started and then yeah. once you progress, it's like you and I could have branched off and done some other things you, you did. And then. I'm just happy not having to deal with the customers directly <laughs> overall. So very cool. So uh, on the first couple sites that you made, it sounded like you you got started pretty quick and hit some success quickly. Did you have any like um, you know, other sites where you started them kind of a false start, and then you realized that you did everything kind of wrong at the beginning? Any of those? yeah,
1: I made a couple sites. my very first website. I was into going barefoot at the time, the whole barefoot craze that. Happened a few years ago. So I thought, oh, why not make a website about like the barefoot lifestyle? The website got a little bit of traffic, except the main problem was there weren't many products in the niche to promote. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's um I was really passionate about it and wrote really good articles, but the monetization just wasn't there. That was my first mistake, is um picking a niche that had no money in it.
0: Yeah. It's like the lack of shoes. There's not a <laughs> lot of products to sell with that. So, and did, were you like a runner in, in that sort of thing? Or you were just like, Hey, I'm going to go barefoot. Would you like go to stores and stuff barefoot? Like, are you that, um, were you that crazy?
1: <laughs> admittedly, I have a few times, but I'm, I'm a lot more tame now. <laughs>
0: I remember, cause I used to run a lot more than I do now. And um, yeah, I remember like the barefoot running, you know, I had had like yeah. the uh, five fingers and a couple other like sort of minimal type shoes, but Yeah, I never, like, walked around in them or – I mean, occasionally, especially if you're, like, in a hippie kind of place like Boulder, you do run across hippie-type folks that are walking around barefoot for real, which is fine. It doesn't bother me, but it just seems – I don't know. It's a little weird now, right?
1: Unconventional, for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, moving on to – I guess, other monetization strategies. So I know that you've you've done Amazon Affiliate. That was kind of like your bread and butter at the beginning. But a lot of people do want to sort of diversify a little bit um, once they get rolling. So what have you explored as far as other affiliate programs and potentially display ads?
1: When I first started, based on the website, I saw with a vacuum cleaner, I thought I didn't know any better. I thought reviews, a review site was the only way to make money. I didn't understand like ads or I didn't really explore other affiliate programs out there. Plus, at the time, Amazon was doing quite well. So, you know, why not? Now I've expanded to other affiliate networks like ShareASale. Depending on the program, they probably pay a lot more than Amazon. And then I thought ads were spammy. So I never put them on until like the last year or so of my website. And I, you know, I did $10,000, almost $10,000 in ad revenue. So... I missed out on a lot of money by not having ads on my site.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And with affiliate links too, you know, it's, it's not either or like, Oh, I got to use Amazon or someone else. You can put multiple affiliate links to different programs on the same page. So I actually tell people, here's the best places to shop for this product. And I'll include Amazon, I'll include Cheer and maybe another merchant as well. I tell them to shop around because you know, wherever they shop, I still get commission. Yep. A lot of people are shopping around for the best price anyways. So you might as well give them all the links.
0: <laughs> and I've heard that having those options there can boost the conversion rate for for any of them that they go to because yeah. they feel more secure that they're getting a good deal. It kind of makes sense from a psychological standpoint, so yeah. that's cool and have you looked at or have you ever worked directly with a company like maybe they weren't enrolled in share sale and they had their own in house affiliate program ever anything like that? just curious.
1: No, the closest I've come is someone made a course on my niche, and they didn't have a publicly seen affiliate program. So I actually emailed them and asked, and they did sign me up for the affiliate program. But the course was, it wasn't very good. It's not something I would have wanted to really promote. It was, it was all text. There was no videos. Right. I couldn't really get behind promoting a uh, course I didn't think was fully developed yet like that.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah, I've never done that personally, but I know depending on the, the niche and stuff, sometimes the companies will reach out to you just to, mm. to send you a product, develop a relationship, and I think you know that really opens the door. Have you had any companies reach out to you like that that you were reviewing their product or anything?
1: I've had products sent to me. One product in that particular niche, I didn't know any better. I didn't really take photos of the actual product. I just I continued using stock photos. Maybe because it was easier. It wasn't a um, super popular product, anyways. Mm-hmm. And I just ended up selling the, ended up giving the product away to someone who actually could have use for it, anyway. Sure.
0: But you didn't take pictures of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did yeah. try it out a yeah. little bit. Uh, at least the review is probably a little better. So, yeah. Cool. Well, let's get into like the nuts and bolts of like the site and keyword research and all the sort of gory details. And let's start at the the keyword research portion, because it sounds like, you know, your initial idea is someone shared as somewhat of a public case study situation. Yeah. You checked out the site and you were like, I could do that. And you literally, you went into the vacuum cleaner area, right? Oh no, this is um a different niche,
1: but the vacuum oh. cleaner was inspiration for the site I have now.
0: Got it. Okay, cool. Because cool. Yeah. sometimes people, and that's one of the reasons why I don't share my sites and try and keep them locked down and that you're in the same position, right? You kind of try and keep it locked down.
1: Yeah. You usually don't give up my sites publicly unless I really trust the person.
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 And there's no, as far as I could tell, there's no good that comes of it. Usually, you know, I think you've heard me talk about this before, Ben, but usually people will just end up copying your site. So, yeah. okay. So moving on past that keyword research. What was your like approach back then, and has it shifted over time? How, how do you do your keyword research?
1: When I first started, I didn't even do keyword research, which is kind of surprising. I just reviewed literally almost every single product in my niche, and I just wrote really good in-depth reviews. So that worked for a review site at the time, but now I understand keyword research more, and I understand the value of ad revenue. So now I try to find low-competition keywords with a little bit higher search volume to go after. A lot of people think that low competition means low search volume, but once you get in the weeds, you can sometimes find a low competition keyword that does have a lot of search volume. So those are ideally the keywords that you do wanna find. And I use Google Autocomplete for that and Keywords Everywhere to poke around and go down the rabbit hole in my niche.
0: Okay, and then how do you assess the competition level?
1: Yeah, so I just do it manually. I looked at the top 10 SERPs, uh, search engine results, on the first page of Google. And if I see things like forums or Quora, Reddit, Yahoo Answers, Facebook pages, those are pages that are not specifically optimized for those keywords. So a lot of effort hasn't been put into them to make them rank. And they are ranking, which means they are uh, low competition. Cool. If I see a lot of authority sites from well-known websites in my niche or even like USA Today or whatever, or Forbes, you know, those are probably higher competition topics. In keywords.
0: All right, and as far as like the number of backlinks, do you go that that deep in analysis on on the first page of the SERPs? There, are you like checking like, hey, this this site? Well, first, let's. I'll give you a little more uh, strict criteria. So let's say it's not any of those big sites. It's not like Business no. Insider, Wirecutter. So it's mostly yeah. affiliate sites. How deep do you go into the competition analysis um, as far as like the backlinks and further research?
1: I might check out the individual pages and poke around and just use my own instinct. I'm really not a numbers guy where I dig deep into backlinks and things like that. I just say, hey, well, sometimes I'll put it into uh, Uber Suggest and see just how much traffic they're getting. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: if they're getting a lot of traffic, that probably means they're a good site.
0: Okay. Very cool. And I think, I mean, I do a lot of the same stuff and you kind of summarized it. Well, you developed an intuition after looking at thousands of these results and you're like, oh, you could probably look at the domain name and tell if it's an (laughs) affiliate site. And then you could look at the page and you're like, oh, this is, you know, well put together. You don't even have to read it. You could probably just skim down and you're like, this is a good site. This is a bad site. It's crazy. So, but Thousands of hours you probably put in staring at your screen there, trying to figure (laughs) that out. So, okay. And once you've identified some set of keywords and and you've kind of figured out what you're going to write, how how do you approach the content? How, How do you organize it? How do you write it? And are you still writing yourself, by the way?
1: I'm still writing myself. I'm starting to outsource more just because I realized in order to scale and make more money, I have to start outsourcing at some point. I can't be writing for five sites. Like if I come to that point, yeah, I'll be overloaded. <laughs> yeah. So when I find like a keyword, well, there's two types of articles, you know, there's commercial, which are the typical reviews and informational, which are more educational, not really promoting a specific product. Lately, I've been going for the more educational articles because they have generally less competition. They're more fun to write about uh, things like that. So when I do find a keyword, I try to think like, what is a user actually looking for when they type this into Google? Like, What's the actual answer they want? Why are they asking this question? So I try to understand the problem that they're having, first of all. I just don't want to pick a keyword and just start typing. You know, I just I want to understand the problem that the reader has. And then I use um keywords everywhere in Google where I find out what other related searches are closely related to this search. So I the first stage is like research, understanding, and then finding other related keywords that would fit my main article. Once I feel like I've have enough research, you know, I'll put everything into two notes and I'll convert the notes into an article and break it up into subheadings and things like that.
0: Okay. <laughs> so pretty pretty straightforward. It's like writing a yeah. research paper, you know, do a little research. Mm-hmm. You. It sounds like you don't necessarily write as you're researching, right? So you put together your research notes, then you synthesize later, right? Is that Yeah. I usually okay. put everything into
1: notes and then convert the notes to... an article. I might sometimes write as I go researching, but it's not like my primary way of doing it.
0: Cool. And I I want to highlight this for everybody because I run across a lot of people who are like, how do I write? I write really slow. And they're like, hey, I've been putting in, I don't know, like 20 hours a week. And they're they're like, I can only get like one article out per 20 hours. I'm like, "Yeah, okay, you're, you're doing something wrong. You're getting something you're getting in your own way somehow. So I think a lot of times people end up doing research and writing and editing all at the same time. So it just bogs down their process and sometimes they don't finish. So that's yeah. the, the worst part. But um, yeah, it's perfect the way you're doing it. It's kind of what I do. I don't write myself, but when I was, or when I do write certain things, not affiliate content, I'll try to research ahead of time and then write it later and then even edit it later after yeah. that. so at least my brain it needs to like shift to different activities yeah, so that makes sense okay and then as far as like the length of the content how are you or how long is the content it depends on the topic <laughs> i
1: know it depends is a uh answer that's often given in this industry yeah you know answering a general question that someone has that's a basic question you know 1200 words i try to shoot for some articles i get a lot of traffic from aren't even that long they Sometimes there are 800 words and I get a good amount of traffic from them just because there's very little competition. If it's a really in-depth, more complicated topic or it's talking about different related things very closely, you know, 2,500 words would probably be my upper limit. But it really depends on the topic and the complexity. Some people say longer content is better, but I just try to cover the topic thoroughly and just be really helpful and not add unrelated topics or I stretch my content out just to fill a word count.
0: Yep. And I think, well, I've definitely been guilty of this because there were, there were a couple uh, case studies or at least a little bit of a study where it was like longer content pulls in more keywords, which is true, but yeah. the consequence is if you're fluffing it up too much, it's a hard yeah. read and people don't get what they're looking for. They don't solve the problem, you know, to your point earlier. Yeah. So, okay, so it sounds like generally you're aiming for over 1,000, you know, for yeah. most content, and then for more in-depth, 2,500 is sort of the, the upper limit. Yeah. Okay. Have there been a few articles where you, you pushed it and you were like, hey, 5,000 words for this because there's so many products or something like that?
1: I don't think I've ever written a 5,000-word article. My longest is probably in a 3,000 range. Okay. Another point to finding low-competition keywords is you can rank without having to do so much work into your article, like writing 3,000 word articles is pretty draining for me.
0: (laughs) It's a lot of words. Yeah, especially when you know, hey, I could have done two for the price of one. Yeah. 1,500 words (laughs) there. Okay, awesome. And you mentioned um, subheadings and some other eh, formatting topics. How do you approach the subheadings? If someone has like a question about a particular topic, I might
1: just take a my question, put it into the subheading, and just talk about that question, that sub question specifically in that section. It's kind of hard to describe how I do. I used to use my gut about what uh, specific topic would they be looking for in this overall article, and make a section out of that.
0: I think one of my one of my very first articles that has been like the most profitable, like at the beginning, ongoing, and that sort of thing. Literally, I just, I didn't know anything about the product. So I like listed all the questions I would have asked. Nowadays you can go to Google and find the featured questions, the related questions and just go through those. But that's a great way to organize content overall. So, and I suspect you probably have just a normal hierarchy within the article where you're like, here's features. Here's some of the features. And then maybe that's the features are H2 subheading tag, and then H3 would be each one of the actual features for the product line, I guess.
1: Yeah, if I'm doing a review, I generally have a general template, just a quick overview. And then below that, I go more in depth into the specific features. Okay, gotcha.
0: And moving on, well, anything else on content that you want to sort of highlight? Any interesting things that you do that maybe other people don't?
1: Yeah, one trick I find, I think... Finding research papers about the topic you're writing about is very helpful. A lot of people don't take the time to find like PDFs that have all this research already done. Um, I think that can be really powerful. And if you link to it, that's probably helps SEO a lot too. So if you're writing an article, just see like what kind of research have like professional research that people have already done in your for that topic, because you might be surprised. Like there's all sorts of studies done about products and just weird studies in general people do about certain things that you can mention and reference in your article.
0: How do you search for those? Do you have any footprints that you look for to find such PDF research papers?
1: Yeah. So I'll type in my general keyword and then I'll put in quotes like study or uh, do you cite colon.gov where I can find government studies? Uh, okay. And lo- little tricks like that. Sometimes I'll put PDF in the uh, search query too, to find PDFs. PDFs are full of like just really good information.
0: Okay. Interesting. And, in- right? So I have done some uh, keyword research in the past and I, I know how to look for footprints and stuff. Never yeah. thought to, to do that. So I could ima- my brain's turning. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah you could yeah. find a lot of research papers, journals, trade magazines where you wouldn't even hear of it or hear about it unless you were in the industry, like deep into the industry. So that's a great, oh, yeah. great point
1: sites I do have, someone did do a really good study on a certain type of product. They actually tested these in real life and there's like a dozen different products and they ranked them how well they did. That's like hugely valuable information that not a lot of people look for.
0: Cool. And I can give a specific example because I I know some people are like, come on, man, you guys got to be specific. So (laughs) I'm into beer. I'm into homebrewing and I'm a beer judge, all, all this stuff, right? And there are a handful of affiliate like home brewing and, and beer related websites, winemaking, kombucha, all, all that sort of home fermentation area. And I know that there are a lot of trade journals where they, they maybe test many different yeast or maybe they, they test different materials for the kettles or the fermentation vessels or something like that. And again, I'm interested in this stuff and I have shelves of books on. Beer and brewing, and all those related topics, and yeast and malt, and everything. And there are definitely trade journals, and there are a lot of studies in general by universities because a lot of these folks are, you know, PhDs in biology and microbiology and stuff like that. So you literally could find studies on products that you would be covering on your affiliate site if it's in home brewing. So just a random yeah. example. Hopefully, that's not what you were talking about. <laughs> no,
1: I'm not. I'm not in the beer niche. Okay. Uh, or home brewery. These studies too. It, it shows the products favorably. That like these. Some of these studies can really help conversions.
0: I would imagine it shoots it through the roof, and you probably, like you said, you get an SEO, a minor SEO benefit by linking to an actual good source, being yeah. that hub for data. I think you potentially could reach out to the people that wrote the study, right? Because who's reaching out to some phd in microbiology to be p- published on some website they're probably going to be thrilled like hey i can talk oh, about this and yeah you yeah. can reach out and maybe uh, expand your network in in the actual like academic area so okay cool any other any others on the content area
1: yeah just a general like mindset is like don't focus on very specific keywords you know just i think google now is favoring more about like the topic as a whole rather than specific keywords so i think keywords are going away in the traditional sense with like exact phrase matching and things like that. And I think now just focus on the topic, understand what the user really wants when they search for something, try to understand the problem. You know, that's why people use search engines. They, they have problems they want to find solutions to. So keep that in mind.
0: Well said. Shifting to link building, you mentioned that you tried some like broken link building and resource page sort of uh, stuff. All right, what's your overall approach to link building?
1: Yeah, so right now, I'm actually not doing any. I'm only focusing on keyword research and content. I find that link building for me to be very tedious. And if you do pay someone else to do it, you have to pay money. And you don't know if the links will be any good all the time. In the beginning, I was just doing manual outreach. That works, actually worked a little bit. So sometimes I would have a helpful guide up together. And I would just email people saying, hey, feel free to link to this or add it to your website. If you find it, it will be helpful for your readers. Another link I got was using the broken link builder technique. That's where you find broken links on someone else's webpage. and say, hey, I noticed this link doesn't work anymore. While you're in there editing, if you want to link to my website instead, feel free. So I actually got a link that way. But I've never built PBNs or anything like that.
0: Okay. And for the broken link building, did you say you got one link? Or you, you yeah. did this a few times and it, it worked okay?
1: I used it a little bit and I got one link from it.
0: Okay. just want to emphasize that because I think – you know, circa 2015, 2016, when you were, de- that, that's around when you tried it, right?
1: Oh yeah. In the beginning okay. of uh, a few years ago.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause and the point being marketers ruin everything. So now <laughs> people have done, I mean, I got an email just the other day, Hey, you got a broken link on niche site project. Why don't you link over here? And uh, I was like, I don't know who you are, your resource. I mean, it's truly a broken link, but at the same time, it's like, I don't think it works anymore. In theory, it could work, but I think you would have to be approaching maybe like an EDU type site or something where they're like, oh, we we actually need to update this. and, And that is a good resource. But I think nowadays it's so abused that broken link building or letting people know that you published a resource I don't think it really works. I mean, do you have any opinion on that? Yeah, I tend to
1: agree with you. Like, marketers do everything, and a lot of other people are using the same exact techniques. So if there's a popular blog that you're reaching out to, they they probably get emailed every day about these kind of requests.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, it is an actual way to to get links and that sort of thing. But I think unless you're working for a big company and they have a big budget to uh, pay for the resource to do that work, it's probably more, more work than, uh, and and more resources than necessary. So, okay, cool. And so at this point you're just, you're publishing content, not super long, not, um, super competitive. And you're just making sure you have the searcher in mind and you want to solve their problem. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I'm just curious, like, At the time that you were starting, I guess there were a lot of penalties for PBNs and stuff like that. So just curious, did you ever think about doing any gray hat activity or by that time when you were starting, it was kind of frowned upon already by the people you were following? I didn't quite know what
1: PBNs were until maybe a year ago. So
0: the idea, though, of creating another website to
1: link to mine to influence rankings did occur to me, but I thought it was a lot of work and I just wasn't up for the the work involved in doing that. So, laziness.
0: Okay. That's good. <laughs> no, <I> mean, <laughs> <Isn't this helps? laughs> It's a ton of work. I mean, I had some big networks many years ago, like several of us did. And um, yeah, it's a ton of work. It's a whole other set of activities. And if you just have one other site, not a big deal. But when you have like 25 or 50 or 80, then I mean it takes a ton of time. There's just overhead and admin, even aside from just actually doing more work, but just imagine having to keep up all these different domain names and and stuff like that. So that's cool. That that does cut a lot out. Now, do you feel like you're missing out at all from not doing link building?
1: A little bit. I mean, I've, research competitors in my niche and you can tell when a site is using pbn when you look at their backlinks and it's all these little two-page websites are linking to this one website <laughs> there's a right way and wrong way to go about these tactics but you know if you don't do it quite right you know go google could find out and to me it's not worth the risk especially now that i'm selling my site i can say it's a clean site with no dirty link building Yep. so if you are selling a site i think it does help that it is clean a little bit. I think uh, buyers are interested in clean sites.
0: Yeah, a, a lot, uh, I would say. And I think because a lot of the marketplaces out there are filled with um, sites that use gray hat. And I know a lot of the brokers, I mean, sites can be successful and the gray hat links do work on some level. However, there's definitely more risk involved. Even if the brokers are telling you, "Hey, it's totally fine," eighty percent of our—I'm just making up numbers by the sure. way. Eighty percent of our sites are, use these PBN links; they're totally fine. These are fantastic networks, and the broker wants to sell the site. You know, like you have to look at everyone's incentives. And most of the brokers that yep. I know are, you know, upstanding business folks, and and they're doing a good job. They wouldn't have an ongoing business if if their customers were having issues with the products they're purchasing, yeah. but. At the same time, hey, if you got a clean site, I mean, I say that's more valuable, and I think you're seeing that now. So, yeah, t- tell us about the the process of selling. Is my, I know if you're in um, negotiations right now, if it's still in play, you know, don't tell us too much, but can you give us an idea of just like the process and how it's turned out for you so far?
1: I have money in the escrow right now, so the money is slowly uh, working its way to me. I found a broker I thought was good. Um, they've been pretty professional so far, but the process has just been longer than I wanted. I sold it a few weeks ago, and I still haven't gotten my money because the buyer is using the broker to change the links over. And after that whole process is completed, then you know the money goes through. And we ran into a few surprisingly a few surprising snags. So I was using Ezoke for my ads, which basically uses ad exchange and AdSense. And the buyer they set up a new eZellwick account and to everyone's surprise they got denied for AdSense despite the site using it for over a year and not much has changed and it's like oh no if a sale doesn't go through could I get ads back on my site (laughs) so the site was like in this limbo period for a little while of whether or not it could really get approved for AdSense and it got rejected for what's called nonsensical content which is basically curated content or thin content. I didn't have any of that. I wrote everything myself with unique research, and I didn't copy or use article spinners or anything like that. But looking at my site, the front page was just like a bunch of uh, reviews. So I figured if I changed that to be a blog role and feature my unique content, it would look less salesy. It would look more original. And I also added a fake persona of um, I took a stock photo. And I put a picture up of a, a woman there with a fake bio and a fake about page. And when I did that, that site got approved. Oh. So I, I figured AdSense was looking for more eat and less salesy web pages that looked less curated because everyone's doing reviews nowadays. It kind of is like curated content when you, like, all these reviews are basically the same in a sense. Interesting. Um, Okay. I don't know if it was because of the changes I made that it got approved or if it was just a different reviewer at the time. But I think doing those changes did
0: help make the site look more original for ads. What time frame elapsed and how far did you guys get behind because of that?
1: I was about maybe about a week. You know, we're emailing with Ezoic support, but they're not AdSense support, (laughs) And AdSense support is, to my knowledge, pretty like virtually non-existent. So I couldn't even get a hold of AdSense. It was a tricky situation, and that's how I navigated it.
0: Okay. And I have heard a couple people mention selling a site and opening a new AdSense account. You have to make sure things are done in a uh, sort of methodical way. So that the issue that you described doesn't happen because now the money's still in escrow, and typically I mean what that's a five to seven day period where the new owner can verify traffic and earnings right
1: yeah, and that's what we 're going through now I, with our broker it's I think it's ten days I have to look at the contract, I'm not exactly sure but yeah it's uh, a longer process than I would like, despite everything sense along the way of how they're doing things
0: gotcha well any any other snags aside from that one pretty major one nothing major but like getting approved for
1: affiliate programs takes you know that could take a few days or even a week for specific programs especially if the program is manually reviewed and they might just only review uh, publishers once a week you know <laughs> depending on the affiliate manager so all these things can delay a sale if you're not selling it like as is you know
0: sure and i think you know, just thinking it ahead. If someone was selling, I don't know if it would help, but I I bet if you reached out to your affiliate manager before you sold it and said, "Hey, I'm selling this. It's going to oh, be yeah. in good hands." Heads up, you're going to get an, a request for approval over here. Like, please expedite it or whatever. That can maybe, but like you said, if it's kind of a hands off situation and they do it once a week or every two weeks or something, yeah. then. You know, maybe maybe you don't get eyes on it for a while, but okay, cool. And as far as like the due diligence and vetting your site, like how was it working with the particular broker? Which we don't need to mention, but just curious, like was it what you expected?
1: Yeah, it was very easy. Um, I just had to take you know verify my identity, take screenshots of my earnings, and take screenshots that I actually received the earnings in my bank account. So most of it was just filling out forms of income reports and taking screenshots. And I like that easy process that I went through as a seller.
0: All right. Fairly straightforward. Easier than getting a mortgage, but, you know, go to your bank account and verify some things. So that's okay. That's what I've seen too. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm curious because I'm not a Facebook person anymore. I mean, I have an account, but I am largely not active. And I know you, you have a Facebook group. You, you even mentioned earlier, like, Hey, it's a great resource out there. And I think I just got a bad taste in my mouth from some of the groups that I was in where I was yeah. like, there's so many people that don't know what they're talking about, just talking. And then they would, you know, bust my balls when I would go chime in. So I was like, you know what? I'm out. Uh, I'm, I, there's plenty of other places with other people and I don't, I don't like these groups. I yeah. know groups have their own personality. So w- what do you like about the Facebook like group? sort of, I guess, atmosphere and community.
1: Yeah. Part of it is a community. You're actually uh, interacting with people and you can hear real experiences rather than just reading a blog about case studies where you might not know everything about this particular case study they're sharing or the blog you're reading might be outdated. So I think it's a good place to get different opinions, although that can be, confusing for beginners too about who to listen to but you know i'm learning about new tools as well like oh this is a free tool that just came out that helps you with uh, search volume you know like i wouldn't have known that unless i was like on facebook learning about all these different things
0: cool so it sounds like i was just going to the wrong groups at the time (laughs) possible (laughs) yeah And, and you you started the group and you you curate the members and stuff like that is that correct
1: uh, yeah, you know, I there's a few groups I'm actively involved in. And if I don't like a particular group, I, you know, ignore or leave.
0: Okay. And then have you had any you know, interesting issues or stories with uh, members of the group where you're like, oh, you know what? I got to kick this person out or someone's oh, spamming.
1: Of my particular group, yeah. Um, well, I, I vet people before they join. So they have to answer questions. And then based on their answers, I accept them. Most of the time, 99% of the time, they answer the questions like a normal person and not a spammer they'll get inside the group. So that's a good way like spam is reducing my group significantly. And then um I've had some problem cases where people are being self promotional while they're pretending they're not and they're you can tell they're fishing for something. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think I mean, wh- what do they do? They're like, hey, just um, I'm doing a survey. Just come over to my site or something like that. Or I don't want to mention anything specific because people will know who I'm talking about. And- <laughs> You tell me after we stop recording. Yeah. Was it me? <laughs> no, no not kidding. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can leave it at that. That's all right. So that's cool. And how many people are in your Facebook group, by the way?
1: I think it's around 3,500, a little bit more than 3,500. That's correct. It's not
0: tens of thousands, but it's a pretty active group and we're very supportive. Very cool. And it's just mo- mostly about affiliate marketing and display ads niche sites in general. Yep, exactly. All right, cool. Well, do you have any uh, sort of... Final advice or knowledge you want to pass on before we tell people where they could find you?
1: Yeah, I think with any online business, you have to find your own niche. And what I mean by that is, you know, find what works for you. So I like reading, I like researching and writing and making blogs, but someone else who doesn't like that, niche websites probably won't work for them. So if you're first starting out, you know, I think it's really important that you find your own niche in online marketing maybe for you it's youtube or becoming an influencer or something else but i think people have to find out what makes them tick and then go from there
0: awesome well thanks a lot ben where can people find you
1: yeah i got my group i'm on facebook a lot maybe more than i should be <laughs> but yeah if you're interested in or have a question just shoot me a message i usually reply to most people oh wow
0: that's pretty awesome i, I usually don't reply to anyone <laughs> yeah yeah very good. Well, thanks a lot, Ben. We'll put links in everything so people can join up your group and reach out to you. And Ben and I were just finishing up our chat here. And I realized I, I literally sent him questions and I was like, Hey, man, I'm going to ask these questions. And then I didn't ask them at all. So we're going to do it now in the last year or something recent. Um, do you have any interesting purchases that have been very helpful or, you know, interesting?
1: Believe it or not, I just got my first smartphone like a month ago <laughs> i've been a flip phone user for many years and that thing just snapped in half literally wow what, um, what
0: kind of phone did you end up getting there
1: it's a samsung like a9 it's a cheaper model only a few
0: hundred bucks but yeah it's very convenient smartphones are <laughs> Wow, i'm sure everyone knows this already yeah well i'm thinking of switching back so like they are great for certain things like gps is amazing but yeah I think it's been a couple years. I've turned off like almost all notifications and I try to make my phone not ring. The only time it rings is like if it's my parents or my wife, basically. So it's, uh, I don't know, man, be careful. They're gonna suck you in, <laughs> so. Oh, I can work
1: like on my on my WordPress websites. I can pay my writers, like answer emails. It just makes me curious, like how much of my business I can run just from this little device, like, you
0: know. 80%, you could probably do a lot. Research. yeah yeah all right and you, you talked about um just some mistakes in general as far as like doing the the first site on the barefoot lifestyle do you have any other like highlights maybe something more recent
1: as far as like my own marketing stuff yeah besides selling my site i don't have a whole lot going on other than working on my two other websites one of which i just started at the beginning of this year so i have close to 30 articles which i'm pretty happy about so
0: far. Oh, and that brings me to something I completely forgot. So, yeah. you have that first site that you're in the process of selling and how much content was on there? I have uh, about 100 articles on that
1: first website.
0: Okay, so nothing super huge. I mean, 100 is a lot, but not so many over the course of a few years. Yeah. All right. Cool. And then the the final thing I'll ask here is around earnings. I know like me, you're not publishing like detailed income reports like some of our friends out there. But right. yeah, can you give us an idea of the scope of revenue coming in?
1: Uh, last year, in total, I did about 30000 throughout the whole year. And that mainly came from my one website. All right. Cool. So I'm kind of starting over now with my two other websites.
0: Awesome. And actually, let's shift into that. I didn't know you were starting a brand new one. It's only a few months old now. You got 30 articles. So what's your sort of game plan for that one? And what do you expect the trajectory to be?
1: Yeah. So I originally built this website to sell, but I'm actually enjoying it. So we'll see how it goes. That website is mostly outsourced content. And that website was actually created from a, uh, challenge my buddy put together where we wanted to see if we could build a website 90 days and start making money from it without any backlinks. So there's actually a separate group for that. And a few people have made money already doing this, but it takes, you know, six to nine months to fully rank a website. So it's, it's been quite challenging so far, I think.
0: Yeah. So did you, so 90 days, is it up yet? Have you, are you going to hit? Nope. We have
1: about a week left. Okay. We started January one. So, Okay.
0: It'll end next week. Gotcha. And will will you have made any money? Not yet. No? Uh, Okay.
1: Yesterday, I had like the most organics at like seven a day, organic searches. All right. So it's starting to get up there a little bit. Getting close. it's a brand new site. You just have to wait it out to just trust the process when you're creating a new website.
0: Yep. Totally. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, Ben. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll have to get an update from you on that new website sometime soon. Thank you, Doug. Thanks to Ben for taking the time to chat with me. And I'm glad his website sale went through successfully. So, if you're into those Facebook groups, definitely check out his group. I think you have to answer a couple questions and he'll let you in. I'm going to talk about an email that I received. So this is from John. I'm going to keep a lot of stuff anonymous here. He sent uh, quite a few details, but basically he was thanking me about the Amazon audit templates that I provided. So about a little over a year ago in March of 2019, I got an email that said I was going to be audited. All my websites were going to be audited by Amazon, anything in the affiliate program, and they were going to check everything. They asked for several pieces of information, I think eight. So I freaked out and then I replied back and then I documented the whole thing and provided templates out there. So John says this, this is off topic from uh, whatever email that I sent out for my email blast, but John wanted to thank me for sharing the experience and helpful templates with regards to Amazon audits and relating to traffic and referrals and all those details John says that he got one of those dreadful emails earlier on April 21st, and he responded back with hopefully everything they're looking for. And again, he, he mentions that me providing my experience and the templates were really helpful. So now he's waiting. He was telling me some of the details. So I can't mention that he's bringing in like a 1,000 to 1,200 visitors a day. He's earning like a 1,000 bucks a month. And it's a nice side income and he's had a good time working on it. So the reason why I wanted to point this out is it's an easy thing to overlook. You may be thinking, ah, you know what? I'm probably not going to get audited. And you know what? You're probably not going to be audited. As far as I know, it's pretty rare to get those audit emails. And I'm not sure what triggered mine. You know, that's one of the most common questions I talked to a couple people who have a little more experience, a little more insight, and maybe they know some people that know some people. They speculated that perhaps, maybe, there was some minor violation or for some reason they went to go look and they thought, hey, you know what? We need to check out these sites that Doug has. So I got the audit email. And then if you go read the account, there's a link in the description here. But if you go read the narrative that I wrote about this, I let you know that I went back and I fixed anything that may be in any sort of gray area. So I wanted to make sure I was well inside any rules that that are out there. So I fixed everything, sent a bunch of information and then waited and it took a while. Like John said, he's just waiting. And I waited for, I can't remember, I think it was like three or four weeks. So a lot of time went by, the one good sign that happened while I was waiting is I continued to be paid. So I received a check and I thought, well, that's really good. If they're still paying me, that's a good thing. If they shut everything down and they stopped paying me, that would have been very bad. So the big point is you should have a look, even if you're not experiencing an audit. The big thing is make sure you have everything in line. Make sure you understand if there are any issues, if, you get one of those emails, you have five business days to reply back. And I remember when I got my email, I thought, okay, I have five days to reply. And then I thought, oh, is it five business days? And then I had to go check to see when I received the email. And then I was like, is it from the start of the day or at the end of the day, or when does that timer start? So I I was definitely panicking and drank a lot of coffee to stay up late and make sure I had everything under control, but it worked out okay. Thank goodness. So go have a look, make sure you have all your, your sites in compliance. You don't want to have to go and and fix a bunch of issues like I did and I had to get fancy. I, I mean, I think if I didn't have some technical and programming knowledge, I would have been unable to fix everything manually. I just had too much content on too many different sites. But I mean, the worst part was it was the sites that weren't making anything that had issues. So I ignored them. I ignored them for a long time and they weren't really important to me at all, but they were still on my profile and I needed to go address any issues that I had there. So anyway, that is one area that people neglect, but when it is important when you get that email you will be freaking out and you will have to address the issue so thanks john for bringing this to my attention good luck to you i hope it's you know working out for you and you won't have any you know trouble along the way When the amazon commission rate changes in april of 2020 so many people are looking for you know different options that are out there so one of the easiest things you can add is display ads and taking advantage of the traffic that you already have. Part of that could be putting display ads on all your content, which I was always nervous about because if I have affiliate reviews and product reviews, typically, but not always, typically, if you have those kind of reviews and that kind of content, you're gonna get a higher payout from selling an affiliate product versus showing a display ad. Things have changed though, and you may be able to have display ads on your affiliate content without impacting the conversion rate. And if it happens to be a product that is mostly sold on Amazon, then maybe you'll earn more and you could supplement the income there on a particular page by having display ads. I was testing display ads for really a few years on Informational post. So my thought was it's not going to impact any of the affiliate earnings because I'm not really pushing any sort of affiliate offer on informational pages. So it totally makes sense. And I know from some of my friends that basically they only have informational content on their websites because they have, you know, display ads for monetization. So that's the approach. That is the entire approach. So I know that it can work. Typically, you have to get a lot more traffic, which is totally fine. If you're going after informational content, there's a lot more options for content ideas. You don't have to have buyer's keywords. So anyway, you could put some of those display ads out there. I do recommend Ezoic to give it a shot. They have artificial intelligence that helps place ads in smarter places via machine learning. And you can also your their SiteSpeed Accelerator, which is awesome to speed up your site. I'm still struggling with uh, some of the caching plugins that I've played with, which, oh man, it should make it easier, but sometimes it makes it harder. And I can tell you that the Ezo SiteSpeed Accelerator, well, the sites that I have it running on, it works really well. It's much easier to deal with than having to mess with your own own plugins and then work with a support team for a plugin and hope that they get back to you on time. So anyway, you can put display ads on your website. And one of the cool things that Ezoic can do is instead of just having like static places where ads are shown, it can show different numbers of ads on different pages based on how many, like how many pages a visitor has visited on your site. So I hope that made sense. But basically, You may earn more if you can keep someone on your site longer, even though fewer ads are shown early on their visit. Imagine if you're trying to read a website, say a news website, and it's just filled with ads. You may not be inclined to look at anything else on that site. However, if there aren't too many ads when you first visit a site, you may click around, read a few other stories, and at the end of the day, the visitor maybe viewing more ads which is a you know one of those great things maybe a little counterintuitive cuz you might think well i'm going to show a lot of ads on the first page that a, that a visitor hits on my site so that more of those are shown but it's not all equal so Ezoic uses some uh, pretty sophisticated technology with that machine learning. So definitely give it a shot if you're looking for different monetization methods. So there's a link in the, the show notes and description here so you could check those out. And when you're thinking about other monetization methods, it should be a no-brainer to go out there and try to search for other affiliate programs. A lot of times they're going to be directly with the company or via a affiliate platform like Commission Junction or share a sale, maybe ClickBank, but you can typically find them out there. And if you don't see like a public facing affiliate program, it doesn't mean they won't work with you. The fact is if you have traffic and if you have significant traffic and if you're making sales of their product, they'll typically want to chat with you. So even if you don't see a public facing Affiliate program on a platform or anything like that, try and get in touch with their marketing department. A lot of times they're probably going to want to talk to you. And I mean, the fact is, if they won't, then their competition will. So when it comes down to it, if you have traffic, you do have some leverage and you could direct your traffic to whoever's going to work with you. So you could look at it that way as well. So those are just a couple ideas. But, you know, I think this, the display ads are going to be probably the easiest way. You know, if you're trying to find an affiliate program that maybe even isn't public, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a lot more work. You're going to have to negotiate and, you know, make sure the tracking is in place. But with display ads, you just put the ads on your site. So that's probably the the fastest way, the easiest way, and what I would recommend in the short term, you know, people do and check out to make up the difference from this Amazon commission rate change. Mm -hmm. Further, you can check out other companies like Walmart. You know, Walmart's a big player as well. And then you have Target, which they have a pretty nice commission rate depending on the category that someone's buying from. And they also have a volume-based, at least at the time when I'm recording this, (laughs) because they could change anything as well. But at the time that I'm recording this, they also had a volume-based payout schedule, which is similar to what Amazon had back in the day. It was also category-dependent, but basically if you sell more stuff, you stand to earn more money. And that was great when Amazon used to do that. I remember getting 8.5% commissions, which is you know dramatically higher. Than what we're seeing these days in 2020. Before I hit the last question here, you can send an email to me, feedback at doug.show. I read 100% of those emails and file them in a little folder in my Gmail. So when I'm looking for ideas, I can just go to the email tag or label as we call it and just look through and see what I see. Start reading them. A lot of times I don't even prepare ahead of time like what I'm doing right now. So this is an email I got from an SEO expert out there. At least that's what they're, they're they didn't put their name. They just said, hey, I'm an SEO expert. That's what the uh, the from <laughs> the from label is. So they said, I want to thank you for your training, the insight and expertise in affiliate marketing. You're one of the mains one. You are one of the main ones that have gotten me to where I am so far. I'm making $1,000 to $1,500 per month from Amazon, but I'm growing. I've been sharing your insights to others who are starting in the affiliate marketing world. That's awesome. Thanks for doing that. That's one of the best things you could do for me too is just tell other people. So they say, I have a site that stumps me. There's an interesting affiliate site called blah, blah, blah. I won't mention it here. They use a simple affiliate page format, a simple theme. They started ranking two years ago, but they've grown to 234,000 organic keywords, ranking with 6,000 in the top three positions and an estimated monthly traffic of almost 400,000 per hrefs and 2,500 referring domains all in two years. And by the way, I mentioned in my reply back that if they are estimated at, 400,000 visitors per month, it's probably two to four times that because I usually find that it's a low estimate. So they said, can you or your team provide me with insight how this person grew so fast? And well, number one, my team is like uh, a couple of VAs that help me with a few things and me. So I don't like to have a very big team, but I'll see what I can do here. Basically, there's only two two main areas that they could work on. So basically, I didn't do much analysis, by the way, but there's only a couple ways. So number one, they published a lot of content and they got a lot of backlinks. Those are the two main areas. Yes, you have to have your on-page SEO in line. You need to have internal linking. It needs to be structured well. You can't keyword stuff. The content needs to be good. All of that. You got to get a lot of links, which, you know, this person wrote and they said they have 2,500 referring domains. So that's a lot. They're obviously doing a lot of work there as well. The only other thing that maybe you would have to search a little harder is to look for 301 redirects in href. So there's potential that they bought other domains and they pointed those domains that had links to certain pages on their site to boost them up from an SEO standpoint. That could be you know, a big way to get a lot of links with a little bit less work. I mean, it's totally possible to get 2,500 referring domains. I don't know if they are purchased links, if they're gray hat, if they're hiring companies, or if they were just doing a ton of outreach. Either one is totally possible. Two years is a pretty long time to get a site going. And I know people that have You know, it's not their first site, but they have started a site. They knew that they were going to publish, you know, a lot of content, say 100 posts in the first month or two and get a lot of backlinks pretty quickly, promote the site and really, really put effort into it, put a lot of capital into it. And they were able to hit, you know, 10K within a few months, 10K per month within a few months. And the site has continued to grow. If you know what you're doing, you can, and you have a lot of money to put into it, you can definitely short circuit this whole process and not really take a shortcut, but you could do things faster if you have the resources to do it. So I suspect that whoever is running this site is an expert. They know what they they need to do. You mentioned it's a simple affiliate site. It's a simple theme. I took a look at it. Yeah. It's just plain vanilla. Everything's plain vanilla and nothing fancy in there. And they're getting a lot of traffic. I'm curious if they're, you know, building an email list and doing any other kind of, you know, marketing, email marketing specifically for higher end products or just products that pay a higher commission than a simple Amazon affiliate site. So, Thanks for sending in those questions, of course. And I'm going to head out. We'll catch you on the next episode. If you're brand new to the show, thanks for checking it out. Have a listen to some of the success story interviews. Those are the most popular by far. Or you can have a listen to, you know, some of the other interviews with like big bloggers and other experts out there. Really appreciate it. And we'll catch you on the next episode.